0: I'm sorry, i just uh, still reeling off that uh, incredible win. I just have to say, Sala! Oh man, too exciting. Anyway, thank you guys for uh, tuning back into the Anish Experience uh, once again. It's another edition of the weekly sports talk, March thirty first, uh, two thousand nineteen. Hope everybody's had a good few weeks, and just wanted to uh, to come back and sort of touch upon uh, the last uh, few weeks in sports and things that have uh, sort of caught my eye. So today I'll be talking about first off uh, the Premier League is back. Liverpool had an unbelievable result, and uh, going to touch a to a little bit on that. Uh, talk a little bit about March Madness, what's been happening with Duke, uh, and as well as uh, how the tournaments fared so far. Also, MLB season is back in full swing, and also currently problems um, with baseball and what's going on. Then a little bit of retirements in the NBA this week. So both Chris Bosh and Manu Ginobili retired. And then I'll end it off with again www segment and new addition to the podcast uh, now uh, called an Anish Fact and uh, shout out to Hashim uh, for uh, one of my friends for, se- for sending that out. I think it's a-, a valuable addition. So again, hope you guys enjoy and stick around for, uh, for the entirety of the podcast. So first, I'll start off with again Liverpool. Uh, the Premier League back is in is back in full swing. We t- there was a-, a week off last week because of the international break. Uh, European qualifiers had started happening. Um, England had some good results, came out flying, Uh, the Germany-Netherlands game was pretty good as well, Um, but yeah, I mean, all all anybody I think really these days is uh, Champions League and and the Premier League uh, title race, because it is unbelievably exciting, and today was no different, Uh, so I mean, today's game was awesome, I mean, Salah, you do have to give credit to him, I think he's had... By, all, by some people's accounts, a, uh, a poor season from what his expectation was last year. But, I, I mean, I don't think he's getting enough credit for how good he is. Um, he still has 17 goals and 7 assists on the Premier League season this year. Uh, and even today, again, the 90th-minute goal was because of him. And... Uh, just based on the game in general. So Spurs came out uh, firing the second half. I mean, I was watching the game to start, and, and Liverpool looked good, like good to come out of the gates, but it felt like one of those games, you know, if they didn't get a second goal, then I, I just felt like Spurs were coming, especially once that uh, second half whistle blew. They were just firing, and you, and a goal was sort of inevitable, I think, at that point. I personally did not expect them to Liverpool to score in the 90th minute. I just, I was one of those that I thought it was going to be deadlocked, and they dropped points again to City, um, but yeah wow mo the man is uh, has just been unbelievable um there's gonna be I mean this was one of the best Premier league twists and turns so far of the season um I, and I think I mean there's still six seven weeks left city's got uh, I think eight games left seven or eight games left on their season so there's still so many twists and turns uh, that can happen but I mean from a Liverpool perspective this was an absolutely monumental result uh, and yeah this one that will all other world own goal could be uh, the difference. Uh, between who wins and loses at the end, so very very exciting stuff, and uh, yeah, can't wait for the the season to uh, for the next few weeks, uh, next few months, because they're going to be uh, amazing. So next, to we'll move on to March Madness, and uh, again, something that's been going on over the last few weeks that has been has been, I think, exciting. Uh, just maybe not as exciting, I think, as in previous years. I mean, there hasn't been too many, you know, buzzer beaters. There hasn't been many upsets at all, um, and yeah, it's just sort of gone along. Most of the favorites have won. Uh, but there, there's still been some incredible performances. Uh, so, I mean, like, the, the big team everybody's obviously watching coming in was Duke. Uh, and they've barely, barely survived in their last two games. So they have another one against Michigan State coming up today. Um, see if they can get through that. But, I mean, that UCSF game was, like, I mean, they probably should have lost. I know if uh, if that guy, 7'6 seven, seven guy, uh, Taco Fall, uh, hadn't been in foul trouble in uh, that first game. Uh, Zion wouldn't have been able to uh, to do what he did. And uh, they I don't think uh, Duke could have kept it close. So they passed. They got lucky on that one. And then even again against Virginia Tech, barely got through. A guy had to lay up at the buzzer to tie the game. And again, who knows what happened. And they missed it. So... That being said, I think I mean Zion and RJ have both performed quite well in this in this tournament. Uh, RJ has been passing and distributing really, really well, and I think his his game should translate particularly well to the NBA. And Zion's just been an absolute animal. I mean, so dynamic, uh, so athletic, uh, and he seems to have you know that like fuck you attitude of like when you when you see guys going against competition where they're just like you know I'm better than you, and I'm going to show you why I'm better than you, and how much better than you I am. And I mean, obviously, his athletic talent definitely helps, but uh, yeah, he's put up um, big performances, um, and I don't expect, hopefully, I mean, today as well, and if they get into the Final Four, I don't expect him to have any different. So I think those guys have sort of cemented themselves atop the top three, along with the guy, Ja Morant, uh, who I had mentioned previously on the podcast a few weeks ago as a guy to watch out for in, in the tournament. And, I mean, he didn't get very far because his team wasn't very good. But that first game against Marquette, I mean, a triple-double in his first game, it was just uh, he was incredible. I mean, so poised, uh, knew exactly where to find teammates. And I think once he gets to the NBA, if he once he has the spacing, he has guys who are much more talented around him who can make knockdown shots, I think he's going to be uh, incredible. So again, touching on the point I sort of mentioned at the top of this was from an overall Madness perspective, I mean, I don't think these games have been as crazy. So like the matchups were close, um, but by and large, I mean, the favorites have won. And I don't know if if for the NCAA, that's been a good thing or bad thing. Uh, but yeah I wonder from a ratings perspective how it translated because I do think I mean everybody is still paying attention to Duke everybody still wants to see them I think lose um, even with these uh, with Zion and RJ uh, but the general public I don't know if it's as interested I mean like for example in the pre- previous few years even last year so a, a team like Loyola Chicago who I think an average person uh, if you in, in if you in America or North America probably had heard of them making the final four but I mean there's nobody really this year uh, to get an average fan or a fan that doesn't necessarily follow basketball to uh, really hop on board. So um, I, I also think there's one guy I really want to shout out, and I mean, if you've been watching any any bit of the tournament, then you probably know his name, is a guy that I personally hadn't have heard uh, before the uh, March Madness had started, and that's Carson Edwards uh, from Purdue. And wow, can that guy shoot? I mean I was watching some of his highlights yesterday I, I couldn't unfortunately because of the time difference watched the whole game but uh yeah I mean off screens just like when you think this guy's no space and even the ability to like pull up from a logo uh, like it is again so similar to what like Trey Young was doing Steph Curry is doing uh, but he is uh, yeah he's had an amazing amazing tournament. I mean he scored what 42 yesterday, 10 three pointers uh, his performance is sort of reminded me of like you know, Steph Curry and Buddy Heald in the last few years, who have now, I mean, their games have both translated quite well to the NBA. And even Trey Young the last few uh, months, I think, has looked really, really good. And this is a guy, I think, yeah, I mean, if he can if he can become, like, you know, off the ball, off the dribble shooter like those guys, I mean, he can have a very, very successful um, NBA career. And, uh, yeah, he almost got the, them to the Purdue to the Final Four. You know, it would have been nice to hear a, another few days of stories. And uh, if it wasn't for a crazy final sequence in which Virginia, you know, they had the free throw, they had the ball that was tipped, it went back over half court, a player then recovered it, threw it back within the three-point line, and a guy had a shot from 10 feet and it left his hand with 0.1 seconds left off the clock. Uh, to get them into OT. So, I mean, the fact that, like, one of these crazy buzz readers happened just recently towards the end of the tournament is uh, not as great as previous years. That being said, I mean, still, uh, obviously, good win for Virginia. Um, and, again, I think Carson has words. I mean, a lot of teams and a lot of, I'm sure a lot more people are going to be paying attention to this guy uh, in the next uh, few weeks f- because of how well his uh, tournament went. So, good for him. And, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the last few games go. So, another, moving now to another sport, which is uh, the MLB um, I, I don't envision myself talking about it too much this uh, season but that being said obviously the summertime you go through ruts where there's really nothing else on and baseball's the only one and because the Jays are probably going to be quite terrible this season. I, I don't imagine myself uh, watching an, an, too many games, but again, who 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 knows? Uh, but yeah, I, I, it was weird because, you know, MLB, it start, opening day started this week, um, and it wasn't, uh, you know, previously I had sort of heard about it a lot more, and, you know, there was a lot more hype around what was happening, and I think all the storylines coming into this opening day were really just quite negative because, I mean, the MLB hasn't... Um, they didn't have a very good offseason. There's a lot of players who, I mean, there's players who are all-stars who are still not uh, not uh, signed by teams, and uh, I'll touch on that a little bit later. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think it is. Uh, it was as interesting as previously. I mean, it was just, again, one of those things that you just maybe heard about. It was like, oh, yeah, baseball's back. Cool. Um, and, yeah, obviously there's so much else going on in sports, and, again, EPL and playoffs in the NBA and NHL coming back and March Madness. So, I mean, it is going to be put on the back burner for a while, but it just doesn't seem like it was uh, what it was anymore. I also think baseball is just losing the lack of its luster because it's uh, it's become a local sport. I mean, as a Jays fan, I can say like I mean this season you you look at this team and obviously they're pretty much a wash. I mean the 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 Jays organization has now had to come out and say you know we're cutting ticket prices and there's five dollar beers and five dollar hot dogs and I mean not going to get game, people to show up to games, but I mean you're probably going to be able to get tickets for like five bucks uh, even less. Um, and so they're going to have, I think, from a from a revenue-generator perspective, especially when the last few years when they were in the playoffs, I mean, they were averaging the highest uh, fan attendance uh, in all of baseball, around 40,000 a game. Uh, and I, I find it hard to believe this year if they get above, you know, 15 to 20, if that. I think that's even a stretch. Um, yeah, so this entire season is going to be a wash. And then basically the whole year, we're just looking at what Vladi does. I mean, Guerrero Jr. has been, by all accounts, for most people in baseball, one of the top prospects in the last 20 to 30 years I mean people say he's as good as what Griffey was Um, but yeah it just doesn't uh, I just don't it doesn't matter anymore I think for most people this season it's just going to be one of those things that they maybe pay attention to maybe not um, and I, I also think, again, going back to the thing with baseball, is I, I just think they have an optics problem because, you know, like, the M- I think the NBA has done a really good job with, like, you know, if you look at their social media um, and with – so what happened with them is they basically don't – can they allow everybody to have access to their highlights and their games, which um, other, other uh, leagues like the NFL, for example, have actually completely shut off. And, um, I mean, for young people, like, if you think about growing a sport, that's actually one of, the, I think, the smartest things that the NBA could have ever done because now you have, you know, Instagram accounts like House of Highlights and Bleacher Report who come out and, like, you know, basically, like, every, every morning, and I'm sure most sports fans do the same thing. Like, you look at your TV, those are the ones that come up. You see, like, you know, who had a good game in the NBA this day and this day and what big highlights and what big dunk and you know, like baseball. I mean, you don't really see baseball highlights. NFL, you can't because the NFL is the only one who can control their highlights. So, like, how did how are they going to grow on social media? Um, but baseball, yeah, they just don't. It just doesn't seem like guys are having fun. You know, I mean, like they have, you know, like the the handshakes and stuff going on, but like. On the on the actual field itself, I mean, you guys you can't really gloat after you have a home run, otherwise somebody's going to throw at your head. And I mean, they just don't really allow guys to have personalities and you know that flair and finesse in the game um, is really what's interesting. And it really gets like an average person, especially young like young fans like kids, uh, who are they going to root for? Who's baseball's biggest star? I mean, you have a guy like Mike Trout, for example, who just got a huge contract four hundred twenty million dollars to make him the highest paid, richest contract in. I mean, professional sports history. Um, and, I mean, of course, for him, totally deserving because he is has been that good for so long. But you have a guy like that who, like, I mean, I mean, if you ask people around the world if they know him, they've probably never heard of him. I mean, if you ask people to name around the world well, who their favorite baseball player is right now or a baseball player, I mean, they probably couldn't tell you. I mean, even the recent deals with Harper and Machado. These guys are not international stars. Um, and even baseball players in general, I mean, they are, they're not walking around being celebrities and... Maybe this is a problem that the MLB doesn't care about, uh, and you know, like, and again, players are entitled to to live the way they want and have the lives the way they want, and they don't have to be marketing stars and push them at the front. But it just feels like I don't know if baseball wants to grow because I mean their average fan I think is like fifty five plus. So if they want to grow in the future and they want like kids to get involved and, and actually sit down for a game, then I mean they got to change it up. Um, Again, though, this all being said is and I recently found this out over this week is it's actually I mean, the owners actually don't give a fuck at all. Uh, because they, like, I didn't realize, so some of the TV deals that they've signed recently with local stations um, has each individual team making, like, stupid, stupid amounts of money. I mean, the Phillies had a bunch of money to play with uh, the Padres. They, uh, so I saw that uh, they signed a contract that had like was worth up to $2, $2 billion over 20 years. Um, and then even as an example, I was looking back that uh, the Angels and Rangers uh, both signed TV deals uh, worth $3 billion a year. Um, And again, these are mostly going to the owners. And there was another statistic that came out this week that showed for the third straight year, uh, the average annual salary for baseball players is going down. And this is when baseball is making more revenue than they ever have in the last three years. Um, And it's kind of disgusting. I mean, again, it goes back to this greed of players. And, you know, I mean, everybody thinks the NFL has a big problem, but baseball is now having this problem, too, because there's also another... uh, report that came out this week that said the MLB as a league, um, so they have winter meetings every season and they said that they actually had handed out championship belt um, again like wrestling did to uh, the specific team which paid the lowest amount of money in arbitration um, and so basically if for those people who don't know is arbitration is basically like baseball is this process where at the end of an offseason, the player uh, thinks or is allowed if they're still under contract, they're allowed to renegotiate based on how they did in the year and comparables to uh, other players at their position. Uh, and the team has a right to, you know, uh, deny that request. So, for example, you have a guy... Um, I can't remember the pitcher's name. I think his last name was Snell. But he basically was a pitcher for the Rays who, I mean, had had one of the low, lowest payrolls in baseball. Uh, and then the, this guy won the Cy Young. I mean, he was unbelievable. And so winning the Cy Young, which is like the pitcher's number one award, uh, the Rays were saying, you know, we'll, we'll give you an extra $20,000 a year. I mean, again, that's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous for how important that guy was to your team and how much he won and how different he was. Um and it's shitty because, like, baseball, like, I mean, the MLB is now saying, like, oh, this is a good thing. You know, this is – and I think that comes from the ownership group because they're they're making more money than ever. There's uh, the new MLB digiting platform in which also the league shares revenue across teams. So, like, teams like the Dodgers and Phillies, even though they have larger TV deals, everybody else gets a cut of the pie. and So, every owner is super happy. And this is also again in light of what happened this offseason baseball, and you have superstars who opted for longer term safety. So like the guys like Harper Machado, who instead of betting on themselves for a few years, decided you know take the safety in contract, which is again fair enough to them. Um, and you have still players like you know Kimbrell, um, Craig Kimbrell, and Dallas Keuchel, who are both All Stars, both significant pieces to any team, and they're still unsigned. Um, and to me, I guess the best uh, so the best way, so people who don't know the baseball stars, so it's like if I said Paul George or Damian Lillard or Kyrie Irving uh, couldn't get on an NBA team when they started the season and nobody was going to take them, um, that's, that's kind of a comparison, you know? Now, again, granted the NBA is a little bit different because like one player really does make more of a difference because, you know, they have the ball in their hand more often, they're not a pitcher, you know, pitching once every five days and... And they can really make a difference to teams. So that, that all makes sense. But if an MLB team and the leagues are, as a whole are, are making more money than ever, uh, there really shouldn't be any reason that the players don't get that cut as well. And I mean, I know baseball is probably going to go to a lockout, I think, quite soon um, if this doesn't change. And it's, it's issues that the MLBPA has brought up. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's going to be an issue. Again, most people probably don't care. Um, it, this is just something that I think is, is, is baseball is now coming and going where, you know, in, it, it was like boxing and I think horse racing in the mid 1900s where, you know, these sports that were huge, huge cash cows and people thought they were going to be there for a long time, uh, now don't have the same amount of, uh, cachet. And I think baseball sort of, it feels like it's going down that road. So yeah, uh, sorry, my, uh, my, hopefully my, my baseball rant is over now. Um, but yeah, they're just really not setting themselves up nicely for the future. And so, yeah. You know what? Uh, we'll see. We'll see what they do and decide to do with the with the league. So now I'll move on to the NBA, and I mean this the week, the last few weeks have again. I've sort of mentioned this before. Post All Star breaks, really, you know about seeding, and and that's pretty much it to get to the playoffs. Because once the playoffs start, that's really all that matters. Um, the West team, So this week they all clinched. Um, So now it's really just seeding for those guys. And the East is, I mean, pretty much largely set. So, I mean, the top three are set. It's, I mean, Milwaukee's probably going to win. They're resting guys now because their injuries are really bad going to playoffs, which, again, as a Raptor fan, you don't wish anybody injured. But if they can... uh yeah, if they're still injured coming into, you know, a conference final, then that would obviously be a very good thing. Um, and then, yeah, you have uh, Philly set in the third, and then Indy Boston sort of, you know, back and forth. However, I think the the East race at the bottom, you know, between sort of six to nine, um, so you have Detroit, Brooklyn, Charlotte, and Orlando. Oh, sorry, Miami and Orlando now. And they're, I mean, they're within all within two games of each other, so that's actually pretty exciting Um, there's still stuff to play for for them I mean it probably again probably not going to matter because the top four are probably going to make it past it but yeah those are I think things to watch for if anything the last few weeks but it's really again about health and, and getting guys healthy and getting ready for the playoffs but I, there are a couple things I did want to mention this week and these were the last topics I'll touch on but retirements so there were two big jersey retirements uh this week that uh you know it threw, threw back to a different time because these are guys that you know first started watching basketball they were super significant players um and especially significant in my life as well for just watching them day to day um and yeah it's uh, it's it's kind of crazy just I guess one of those things that you know you realize that uh Life goes far too quickly and uh, really passes by and flies by and I mean I can't believe these guys now are having their jersey retired and I'm gonna be in the Hall of Fame pretty soon. Um, so the first one I want to talk about is uh, is uh, is is the uh, dinosaur himself, uh, Chris Bosh. <laughs> um, I mean he was a guy that uh, yeah former Raptor who although he left and I think even now it'll probably go down as in Miami Heat more than you the Toronto Raptor I think a lot of people by and away forget uh, that he was actually in Toronto for a long time uh, I mean he did a lot of good things for the franchise and, and he was a key piece for us for a long time so um Although they never won, and he was—I mean, mostly losing—and like they were never really successful, and he was never really a part of anything big. I mean, he did—he did play well. I mean, he was an all-star pretty much every season. He was in Toronto. Um, he was a top three uh play, top three franchise leader in points, rebounds, and blocks. Um, and yeah, even though it never felt like we were a contender uh, when he was here, and you know they got Turkaloo and I remember years where they got Sean Marion and Jermaine O'Neal, and they had T.J. Ford and Calderon, and. And, yeah, it was, you know, it was always sort of, oh, you know, the Raptors are up and coming, they're up and coming. But, I mean, they never really got anywhere the, to where they had been um, in the previous years. But he was still important. Um, and then, obviously, he moved on to Miami, won a couple titles with LeBron and D-Wade, and was a significant piece. I mean, he's probably part of the greatest shot in NBA history. Uh, uh, I mean, Kyrie's, we could probably say, is one. Uh, I mean, again, very difficult to debate. Uh, Kyrie in Game 7 was obviously a big one against Golden State, but that Ray Allen shot uh, against the Spurs. I mean, again, Kawhi doesn't miss the free throw. We never talk about this again. Or This never actually ever happened, but Bosch was the guy. He was the guy that got the rebound that sent it out, and he was the reason they won the title, the second title. So, I mean, I think even just based on that, he's probably going to the um, to the Hall of Fame uh, first spot. I mean, he's an 11-time All-Star, two-time champion, Again, I think he's uh, he's pretty much set in stone by going to the Hall of Fame, um, and also I think I mean if you watch his game and you remember who he was as a player was I think he just was born a little bit too early because he was really a significant stretch for and. Um, and at a time in the league when stretch fours weren't really a big thing I mean you had the guys like Duncan and Shaq and Jermaine O'Neal and uh, and Dwight Howard who you know traditional post up guys sort of into the post where was Bosh was sort of you know like to like to push himself out a bit and I remember like he had the patented move with the, the jumper at the elbow or like you know the jumper into the fake drive which he had like some some pretty deadly dunks and then eventually of course he started expanding his game pushing himself out into the three point line and now I mean you can really see I mean every every single big man is realizing that in order to have a career in the NBA, you're going to have to shoot threes. I mean, you have guys like Drummond and Blake Griffin and Valanchunas and Marcus Gasol. And these are guys that, you know, never would have ever considered even pushing their lines out. And now they are. And I think Chris Bosch, if he was around now, I mean, he would even be more valuable, I think, than what he was. So I guess all I can say is, you know what, thank you Chris uh, for what you did for the franchise, uh, you did kind of screw us at the end and never really liked Toronto and still say that Toronto's not great, but um, still, I do have to say thank you and uh, I'll, uh, I'll go go on from that. Um, so again moving on to the second one, which I mean to me was more exciting just because of the way uh, my feelings about Chris Bosch leaving and not really caring about Toronto, but is uh, a surefire Hall of Famer no matter what, is Matt Ginobili, as uh, as Charles Barkley loves to say, so Nobley nobly, uh, retired this this week as well. His jersey went up. Uh, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker had uh, were were there and Pop and everybody uh, from those from those teams. Bruce Bowen as well. Um, and yeah, he had his, his jersey's retirement ceremony. And you know, I I don't think he gets enough credit for uh, how good he was and how consistent he was uh, over the length of the Spurs dynasty. I mean, he was a guy who came in, you know, early two thousands, and I mean, he played 15, 15 years for San Antonio, and he was involved and he was so integral to. Their entire, I mean, their entire run. I mean, I mean, of course, Duncan got the credit he deserved. He was the focal point, and I mean, again, best power forward of all time. And and Parker was great, and and he was. I remember that that sort of you know two thousand six, seven to twenty ten, eleven. I mean, he was the number one finisher in the NBA, and this is for a guy who's a six foot Frenchman. Um, who at the beginning could barely speak English and I mean his layup package and the way he could finish in traffic and the spin moves and the floaters I mean it was unbelievable to watch him uh but Ginobili was you know so crafty I mean this guy was the glue Papa uh, Popovich used to say that without Ginobili I mean none of this is happening um he also I think one of those that he he should get credit for is the the Eurostep move so although it was done both previously in the NBA I mean he was the guy that really patented it and made it a signature move and uh and now, guys, you see guys like James Harden, right, and D-Wade, and these are guys that uh, have always given credit. They said Ginobili was the reason they started implementing these games. Now, I mean, you look at a guy like James Harden, right? He's number one in the league in, in scoring, and, and that uh, his getting to the line for him and, and, and finishing in traffic and that Eurostep move, he uses a lot. And really, I mean, all the credit goes down to Ginobili. So, and, and Harden's also said, he's been on record saying, you know, um, my game, I used to look up to Devano Ginobili when I was playing as, you know, a lefty, a guy who can finish, was a little nifty, could go create finish in traffic shoot as well um yeah just unbelievable Um, I think one of the things that sort of mentions how great he was too I mean he's only one of two players in NBA history to have won an NBA ring a gold medal at the Olympics and to win the EuroLeague Uh, and again goes back to his game you know just being so crafty and for a guy who just really didn't look on that athletic I mean coming from Europe I think people had the hesitation of a a guard who um, was Argentinian who could come in and I mean, for a guy that was drafted 57th, I mean, bottom, bottom third, like three two other guys, or three other guys went after him. That was it. Um, And now a surefire Hall of Famer, I mean, basically 20 year career, just incredible. Uh, So again, thank you, Manu Ginobili, uh, for for what you did for the game and for for the ways to come and uh, for how impressive you were. Um, Thanks again. So that sort of ends off the podcast uh, this week, guys. Um, a few more segments, or again, last one, the WWW segment uh, I'll sort of end off with. is uh, It's it's Mother's Day today here in, uh, in I mean, not really in Europe, it's more the UK, but uh, shout out to the moms around the world uh, for being amazing, caring, loving uh people that really don't get enough credit uh for how much you do in kids lives and how you really shape them into the people they are today uh and so although it's not it's not uh, mother's day in north america i did want to share a share a great compilation video i saw of just you know moms being moms <laughs> and every kid can sort of watch it and uh, and understand what that means so thanks guys and uh yeah wait till uh, the fact check segment it's time for the fact check with your host, Anish Kaushal. All right, guys, not too much of a uh, fact check this week, uh, hopefully, based on what I was following. So there's just a few more comments I wanted to make <clears throat> uh, at the end. So uh, I was talking about, again, the MLB average opening day salary uh, dropping for... Uh, Second year in a row. So I looked it up. So actually, the opening day salary this year on average was about $4.375 million. uh, But it has dropped again for a second year in a row when baseball teams are now making more money than ever as revenue has steadily increased over the last few years. So the Rays pitcher I was talking about, his name is Blake Snell, uh, and he won the Cy Young Award last year, which is, again, so impressive for, for a team like the Rays. And initially, through arbitration, he was actually only entitled and eligible for an, a raise of $15,000 in his uh, <clears throat> contract. And, you know, again, it's one of those things that on a rookie deal, the team has control over the player for a long period of time, but I feel like if if you do have a guy who, who has performed and produced uh, that, yeah, he should be eligible for more. And so he ended up, you know, some some good news came out of it where he did end up signing a long-term deal for five years, $50 million. And again, probably a good thing for the raise. The risk profile is sort of re- reduced, and this guy gets the raise that he wants. Uh, but yeah, just sort of goes back to the arbitration process of uh, $15,000 is really nothing. <clears throat> so again, uh, so I'll talk about the East as well. So the East was, I really mentioned, you know, Detroit, Brooklyn, Miami, uh, and Orlando, and Charlotte is right now only two and a half games out of a playoff spot. But I think it's really between those uh, four teams, and the between them, I think they separate is just two games. So that's pretty much the only race to to look forward to to down the stretch of the NBA season. But again, uh, we'll we'll see how it plays out. Uh, and then yeah, like I mentioned at the top of the segment, I wanted to add a um a, a, a small. Uh, statement to, I guess, the uh, podcast, uh, as per recommendation of uh, one of my friends, uh, Hashim. Um, So my niche fact for the week um, is that uh, major earthquakes can actually shorten the length of Earth's day by moving the spin on its axis. So it was found that the 2011 Japan earthquake knocked off 1.8 microseconds off the Earth's day, which, uh, you know, again, I found is quite interesting. So Hope you guys uh, enjoyed this this week. Uh, Wishing you guys a good next week. I think I should be back around for another episode uh, next Sunday. And again, always remember to stay curious.